Good evening, everyone. I almost said good morning, but it's the evening. At least on the East Coast. <laughs> that, that is true. That is so true. My name is Janice, the ho one of the hosts of Two Sisters. And obviously today is Triumph Tuesday. And I do apologize. Carol Sue could not be with us tonight. And we send her our best wishes. Today, tonight, we have an amazing guest on. And let me tell you something. When especially for women, but I think really more so for men, because when they hear when they hear two words in a sentence, women and hormones, uh, I know like my husband's like, what? So this, you know, just for the, our male audience out there, because I know that we do have a wide range of um, male um, viewers and listeners, this is more or less um, a woman's kind of conversation, but we always enjoy the participation. So without further ado, Two Sisters wants to welcome Kathy Fritz. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I have to tell you, Janice, unless these male listeners don't have women in their lives, then this is relevant because sometimes it's a partner or a, a father or a brother saying to a woman, hey, things seem a little off lately. Are you okay to start the ball rolling? So I always say, yes, I am a women's health coach, but men, brothers, fathers, husbands, friends, you can absolutely participate in this. And definitely benefit from it as well. So Kathy, you are a certified master hormone coach and you help women in the perimenopause phase as well as menopause. First of all, how did you get started in that field? So I come from education and something you probably know about educators is when we have information, we must share it. It's like we're compelled. Um, so when I started researching my own hormonal imbalance and discovered the total lack of information and the huge amount of misinformation out there about midlife hormones and what women could do to naturally balance them. I was just appalled. And I thought, okay, there's clearly a need here. And I am so happy to fill it. And I caught two keywords there, which I think are very important to, um, to chat about, um, to naturally balance because we know that there is hormone replacement medications out there. Mm -hmm. And the funny, uh, you know, when I first started dating my, my now husband is, you know, I would take off my glasses and say, you don't want to mess with a woman who's on hormone replacement therapy. You get my drift. <laughs> so, very cute. yeah. So the education part of it, you know, and again, when we hear hormone replacement therapy, I think that there's such a stigma with that because I think when, you know, obviously I have some girlfriends and, you know, I'm in that respectable age bracket where perimenopause and menopause seems to be a lot of times the topic of conversation. Well, I'm glad you and your friends are talking about it because I got to tell you, not everybody is. People are still, I don't know if it's shame or embarrassment or what, but like, ladies, let's be comfortable with the idea of vaginas getting drier as we age. It's just natural. But 
there's stuff we can do about it. And no, it doesn't have to be, uh, the first step does not have to be a hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. So um, let me clarify. I, as a board certified health coach, I work in food, movement, and lifestyle. I think MDs, OBGYNs are amazing people. And if there is a time where bioidentical hormone replacement is necessary, then I am for it. I just would like women to know that there's an option between doing nothing and going right on to hormone therapy. And that's where I fall in the middle. Ah, uh, yes. You know, for many women, I know for myself, I was forced into, I don't want to say forced, but I'm not sure what the right word is. Strongly encouraged. Strongly encouraged, I guess. It, I will, I had to have a hysterectomy at the age of 29. So I oh, obviously wow. was very, very young. Mm. And, you know, once I was through the post-op and all that kind of stuff, I was placed on hormone therapy yep. treatment. And at some point, you know, I decided to, you know, have that conversation with my OBGYN. Do I really need to be on this? You know, what are some things that I can do? And if we're going to naturally balance our hormones, I think it's important to have the necessary research. I think we all tend to go to Google a lot, mm -hmm. um, but, and there's, I think some misconceptions about that, but I do think if we take the opportunity to research it ourselves so that we can ask the right questions to our physician or our health coach or whomever it may be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there are great resources and, and more resources keep coming out. Um, one of my favorites is Dr. Laura Bryden. She's actually from New Zealand. Um, and I, I just love what she's doing. Super evidence-based, um, very conservative, you know, not pushing hormone therapy on every woman once she hits 40. I just think she's fantastic. So any listeners who are looking for, um, you know, a doctor resource, that's who I would recommend as, as a really great place to go and find out more information. Thank you for that. And, you know, that is so vital to, to have a source that you, that you are familiar with, that you trust and that you know that your clients or maybe soon to be clients or whomever it may be can really you know, check her information out and, and see what is out there and perhaps you know, make an appointment with her so, and, and have that necessary information, which is so critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I am so happy to share everything I know with women. And if they can take that information and then make the changes in their lives that are going to move the needle for them and get those hormones balanced, like more power to you, sister. But I have found that a lot of women really need that, um, you know, kind of buddy to be linking arms with them and walking the journey. And that's, again, where my expertise lies, not in leading the way. I'm not going to pull them along. Mm -hmm. I am going to stand next to them and ask them, okay, where are we going? And then we link arms and that's where we go. And that is so critical because think about that for a moment for someone who is going through that hard time, perhaps if they have the opportunity to link arms with someone, but you're leading them to discover that for themselves, but leading them along the way, linking arms. I think that's a great analogy for that. 
Well, can I tell you something, Janice? Yes, absolutely. I didn't used to coach that way. See, I thought I was the expert on all things hormones, which made me the expert on all things helping my client. And over time, and I have three certifications now, so you'd hope I'd learn something. Um, I have discovered that I can give my clients all the information and tell them all the things to do, but until they decide that they want to do it, it ain't going to last. It's it. When I finally released the, my ego around feeling like I had to be the expert and show how, you know, I could, I could make them change and yay me. And I released that and really put them right in that driver's seat and said, you pick the speed, you pick the direction. As long as we're moving forward, we're doing just fine. It totally changed my client's experience. It changed my experience all for the better. Again, I have all the information. I can give it to them, but what they do with the information has to be their choice. So just for your listeners, if you're thinking about working with a health coach um, or really any kind of coach, a business coach, um, you know, there's lots of types of coaches. (laughs) Um, You really want someone who is going to let you lead as a client. Um, Yes, they're the expert in their field, but they're going to let you as the client make a lot of the decisions because that's how things are sustained. That's how change is maintained. If you do it just for the eight, 12 weeks that you're with your coach and once your coach is out of the picture, you don't keep doing it, well, then it didn't work. And I think really that is the key there because when you think of somebody, um, who's at that point where they know they have to do something, they start working with the coach. It's almost as if, and I've been through this, of course, as a health coach, you've you've got to guide them to release their inhibitions about what they're going through. And you get so much more out of the client because, okay, you're there and you're coaching them. You're not hearing them. You're listening. We all know that those are two separate things, but you're their sounding board. They want the advice, whether they take it or not is their choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of women in the age group that I work with, getting to make choices, um, is something they haven't done in a long time. Choices for themselves. Like they've made a lot of choices for their families. They might be taking care of aging parents, making choices for them. Um, They might be making choices, you know, about, um, you know, household things, but getting the opportunity and the space, just holding space for them to make decisions for themselves about their own health and wellness is like, just an, a magnificent experience for my clients. And I'm sure you found the same in your work. Oh, absolutely. Because them taking that active participation and let's face it, it's hard. Like being where we are is hard. Getting to be somewhere we want to be and we're working hard is hard. So you have to choose your heart and, and choose it wisely. But with that being said, the act of them doing that, when they take that control, when they start seeing the process or the progress, I should say, Mm. I mean, that has to be, I mean, obviously I know that's, they're like, wow, this is like, I didn't know, like, 
I didn't know I could get from here to over here. And, and I find they get there faster than they think they can. You know, once again, they're given permission to take time and space for themselves. Women do incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually in the first couple of sessions, my clients are crying because they have been suffering and they, you know, are just overwhelmed. And I had a meeting with a client last week where she was crying and she said, I'm just, I'm crying tears of joy. Um, because they're because of that transformation, that thing you're talking about, that they chose their hard. I love that, by the way. I'm going to use that. They chose their hard, and they're doing their hard. They're doing their hard. And by the way, I've already trademarked that, so you can't oh. use it. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but when when you sit down and think about when you're coaching your clients through that. It's like when you, you know exactly when that light bulb goes off for them. And it's so amazing to see that. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. I tell them to be on this journey, observing you, observing that shift, observing that light bulb go on. It is just, I mean, it's one of my favorite parts of the job. I'm sure for you too. Oh, absolutely. Because when you show them the way and they can take the reins. And at that point, a lot of women, I think they're, they're, they're questioning their self-worth. They're questioning so many different things all at once. And what they thought was impossible was actually possible. Mm, yes, it's a beautiful thing. And I won't start singing. This couple songs just popped into my head. <laughs> you can sing at any time. I, I'm a singer too. So break it out, girl. All right. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> so you're certified, as I said. When did you become certified? And, and like how, when you took that certification, because I know, you know, I went to IIN when I, I got my certification to be a health coach and it just felt so amazing. But you were directed to take your journey even further. What did that feel like for you? Oh, when I found out that I passed, I was so relieved because it's a hard test. Um, I was encouraged to take it because of my career goals. So right now I just work for myself. Um, but I would really like to end up in a gynecological practice as the resident health coach who gets all the clients that need the coaching. Um, and so knowing that, knowing that I wanted to get into a medical practice, I knew I needed that board certification. Um, so, you know, when you take something that's hard, you start to try to protect yourself just in case you didn't pass. So I was, you know, kind of telling myself, well, I hope I pass, but if I didn't, I'll just take it again. And the closer we got to finding out our scores, the more I was like, I really hope I passed. I really don't want to do this again. I mean, it's a sort of exam you study for three months you know, the week before you basically don't do anything but study. Um, and so when I got that passing score and I, I actually passed in the 99th percentile, so I did pretty well on it. Um, all that studying paid off. Um, it was um, a relief and any imposter syndrome that I might have still had lingering was gone. I have felt so much more confident in saying out loud to anybody I'm a board certified health coach. I'm really good at my job. I help women in a really meaningful way. And I get 
a lot of fulfillment from what I'm doing. And I got to tell you, I never thought I'd leave the classroom. I loved being a high school English teacher. It was a vocation for me, not a job. I really thought I'd be there forever. And, you know, obviously I wasn't um, because of making choices for my family that was best. And I didn't, I didn't know if I'd ever find something that I felt so deeply convicted about. And I have, and that feels so, like, again, fulfilling. That's a good word for it. Oh, yeah. And that's such a personal conviction because when you do what you love and you love what you do, it's it, it's not a job. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, you know, what's going on today? You know, what am I going to tackle? Who am I going to help? Yeah, yeah. And that feeling of I get to, not I have to. Absolutely. So I kind of have an off topic question. Oh, bring it, Janice. Okay. Now, this is an English question. Oh, okay. All right. Whenever I am writing, everyone knows I love to read and write. Mm -hmm. I have to look, always look up these two words effect and effect. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, she's picking a homonym. Which one? Oh, I bet it's affect effect. <laughs> um, I just have this, like, I always have to look it up. That's, you know what? That's okay. We all have like a couple of things that we always have to check, you know, a certain word that we always spell wrong or so affect effect effects are like the effects of something. So it's the noun affect means like the influence. So, um, how you are affected by something it's usually it's the verb form of it ah see I now, affect can occasionally be a noun but for most of the time you're going to do effect noun affect is the verb you shouldn't have told me that <laughs> well it's like that you know english is the hardest language because there's a rule but there's that like two percent of the time where the rule doesn't apply right so there's always an exception to the rule, which of course leaves us back to our discussion. Women going through the different changes, you know, and my sister and I always talk about, you know, hydration. Mm. What is one thing you have encountered with women going through perimenopause and menopause? Um, my experience has been that we don't hydrate enough. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I would say I do have a number of clients that make one of their um, little steps to get to the, what I call their three-month vision that they create. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hydration is very common. Um, I would say a really common one is around movement mm. and self-care. Um, so when I say movement, I don't, I purposefully don't say exercise. I don't use that word in my practice. Um, it's got too much baggage with it. I say movement and to me, movement and self-care are very intertwined. And so a lot of women don't prioritize movement as part of their self-care. They see it as a burden or a must do, or, you know, kind of begrudgingly do it. Um, and so we talk a lot about what movement can look like and how to incorporate it in your day in this time of so much sitting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talk a lot about <clears throat> just little ways to interrupt the sitting. 
Um, the other thing I want to mention about self-care is it's such a buzzword right now. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it sometimes is like people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, self-care. I know, I know. Um, but it, it really can't be overemphasized of how important it is. But the most important thing is that you like it. So I might love a good Epsom salt bath with my favorite essential oils, but you might be like, oh my gosh, get me out of here before I overheat. And mm -hmm. so then you shouldn't take baths for your self-care because it's not. And I can keep taking my baths and enjoying it. Uh, one of the things I encourage all women, my clients or not, to do is figure out what your self-care is. Your five minutes non-negotiable every day the thing that you can't wait to do and do it, do it every single day, whether that's doing a brain dump in the journal, meditation or prayer, reading a chapter of fiction. Um, by the way, that's mine reading a chapter of fiction. Um, it's non-negotiable for me. I must read some fiction every day because that makes me feel like I'm taking care of me. And it can, it just impacts you on a hormonal level. It impacts you on an emotional level. Um, so I think I got a little tangential with that question, but how did That's I do? Okay. You did fantastic. And I love the fact that you said, you know, make it non-negotiable. Everybody has five minutes. Everybody has five minutes. What's yours, Janice? What's your non-negotiable five? My non-negotiable five, well, it's actually 60 minutes. Ooh, um, I'm impressed. I, yeah, I do. Um, well, technically I do two 45 minute workouts a day, although I haven't done that the last week with traveling, mm -hmm. get back on that. But at least the first 10 minutes, even if I come downstairs, like my office here is downstairs in the house, I read and then I, you know, get my movement in. And that is so important. Like, I got to do that. Yeah. That routine, that routine, it just fills you. I can tell when you talk about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love as I'm looking at my kickboxing bag over there. Amazing. <laughs> so five minutes every day. And I love the fact too, that you said, you know, you don't refer to movement as exercise. We call it movement. And my sister and I do as well. What is an I know what this buzzword is for me, and I'll share that with you for a moment. But do you have another buzzword that you hear all the time and you're like, just like, oh my God, if I hear that one more time, it, it, under the wellness umbrella? Yeah, I, I know I do. Tell me yours and maybe it'll trigger something okay. for me. I hate the word diet. Oh yeah. That's because wicked. for me, it insinuates a negative connotation. Like I can't even tell you how many diets I've been on. Mm -hmm. And the problem that I realized with a diet, which was actually early in my forties was, well, it's kind of twofold. Every time I went on a diet, I technically failed. Mm -hmm. So when you get to that point for me, when I got to that point in my life where I was, I was a big girl, let's just say when I sat around the house, I sat around the house. Mm. Um, I knew in order for me to be successful, and this is when it clicked for me, and I'm not saying this is going to work for other people. It certainly worked for me. I had to 
look at it as a lifestyle change. And this was way before I came, it became a certified health coach and um, a personal trainer. So I decided it's going to be a lifestyle change. And that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, I hate to tell you how many times, for instance, that I, you know, went through the drive-throughs in town. I'm guilty. Mm. But, you know, I didn't say, okay, I'm quitting cold turkey. And I think there's a lot of misconception, negative connotations with that word diet. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And truly diets are not meant for a prolonged use. They are for quick, usually weight loss that doesn't last. It's not sustainable because like you said, it's not a lifestyle shift. The mm -hmm. only way to have any sort of last, lasting impact in any area of our lives is if it's a lifestyle change, not a quick fix. Um, so I, you did trigger for me one of mine, which is the word healthy, especially regarding food, uh, healthy food. I'm like, oh, so I talk about health supportive, hormone supportive foods or um, your goal supportive foods, you know, thinking of it like, does this food or food group or choice support my goal or does it take away from me succeeding in my goal? So thinking of first food is fuel. Um, it doesn't have to have all the emotional pieces. And secondly, you know, is it, how's it working in my body for me? Um, I was listening to the um, gut health coach that you had on she was really interesting um cleo cleo was her name oh yes yes yeah cleo. so I, I liked what she was saying about like you can't look at a food or a food group and say it's good or bad mm -hmm. um you know with her expertise in gut health it's how does your gut respond with my expertise in hormones it's how do your hormones respond um you know does it make you bloated uh does it you know give you energy um, or does it take away from your light, from your, you know, life force? And that's, that's really good information to have. Um, I'm a big fan of women figuring out, really paying attention to their bodies, to their experience internally. And that is physical, but it's also emotional. Mm -hmm. um, it's mental clarity. Um, it's spiritual. How does that food, after you eat it, make you feel on those levels? And, um, you know, some of my clients choose to try a little time without caffeine, particularly coffee in the morning, and that gives them information. So then they can make a choice with that information on what to do, whether it's slowly reintroduce coffee or you know what, they find out they don't actually need it and they feel actually more clear when they're off of it. Um, but that differs woman to woman. And that's one of the fun things I like doing with clients when they want to do it is figuring out what foods work for you and what foods really don't. Yeah, I think that is so important. I think, though, too, some people, and I've had a few clients like this in the past, you know, for instance, when they eat a certain food group, and that's why I say, you know, when I start working with a client, keep a journal for mm. at least three days. You know, when I say seven days, you're like, what? <laughs> at least a minimum of three days and really be honest with yourself why you're eating, what you're eating and what was your reactions? What were your emotions? Mm. And what I found was that a lot of women, of course, are were emotional eaters. Mm -hmm. I know I was. 
and for them to really look at that in a way where they're they were like oh wow okay so every time that i eat this food for whatever reason i'm getting sick mm. so for them to discover that they a lot of times they think it's it's a bad food and it, it's it's bad in the sense that every time of course when they consume it they're not feeling well so what would your suggestion be for someone when they start doing um, a journal or whatever it is on how, for instance, how you coach them through that, what are some signs or things that they can look for to be honest with themselves when they are consuming something that just doesn't agree with them, but yet they still do it? Well, I love that you ask your clients to just journal for three days on their, on their food. I think that that's a great way to to get that data um, so they can really understand themselves. So your question is when they have some data and the data is showing that, oh, this might not really be nourishing for you. What mm -hmm. do I do then? If they're, especially if they don't really want to release that. Right. Okay. So I would definitely ask a lot of questions mm -hmm. to find out for myself and hopefully so they would figure out why they're resisting just trying a break from that food. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's a case of like fear of missing it, well, okay, what else could we substitute? Because you know, there's tons of substitutes we can do right. that may not have the same physical reaction. Um, but to your point, if there's an emotional piece, we're really diving into that and trying to figure out, again, through a lot of questions, okay, what's this emotional piece about? Um, and, you know, I'm always referring out to um, other practitioners if something feels a little bit more than my scope of practice. So should something feel, you know, a little eating disorder-ish, I refer out and I'll say, you know what, this is really important work that you need to do because this is about your past and that's not my scope. My scope is, is present and future. So you need to work with someone who can dive into this with you in your past, and then you and I can restart our work after you've dealt with that um, or while you're de dealing with that. But it's really important, I think, for us as health coaches to understand our scope of practice and know when we're yes. you know, out of our depths um, and have a really good referral network. Mm. Have you coached clients that have had any type of weight loss surgery and what has your experience been in coaching them? No, I haven't actually had any clients that have had the surgery. I've definitely had clients who want to lose weight <laughs> and that is one of their, um, you know, three month vision goals. Um, but no, I haven't. Have you? Yes, I've had, um, quite a few in, when, whenever I hear, and I might may have shared this, gosh, a week or two ago, but whenever I hear that someone is contemplating weight loss surgery, I cringe. Mm. And I cringe because many people that are in that state where they feel that this is their last resort are still looking for that quick fix. Mm. And for me, you know, putting your body through all that trauma, but then not dealing with the reasons and the underlying issues that may have caused that person to get there. And it, it just, it kind of breaks my heart. 
Yeah. And my understanding of that surgery is that it's not a quick fix. No, I mean, you're, you literally are putting your body through a trauma. And in fact, I also shared um, a husband and wife uh, team that I was coaching and they had come to where I was working to go on this program. So I was their assigned health coach and they did, they really did very, very well at the first month, month and a half. And then life happens as we all know, and went back to what they were doing. Each of them had weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. So now they've gained it back. And then I called it the then some. Mm -hmm. And this one particular day, you know, the husband was, you know, this is your fault, you know, or we're gaining all this weight back. And, and, and I, I listened intently at what he was saying. And I picked up on all the buzzwords that he was saying. So after he was done, I said, may I say something? And he said, yeah, go ahead. Well, if I'm understanding this correctly, you, you know, went to McDonald's or whatever it was, whatever they were doing. Was I there when that, that happened? I said, I, I want to make sure that you, that you understand. Like, and my heart was breaking for them. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to own it. They didn't want to own it. Yeah. And long story short, I just said in a, in a very, you know, nice way until you both can come to the table and I can meet you at that table. I can't help you if your projection is always going to blame others. And, you know, they thought about and they looked at each other and he, at that point, they both understood the point that I was trying to get across. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like Wait, when I hear somebody contemplating weight loss, I'm like, oh my God, please don't. There's so much more work to do before weight loss surgery. Um, and I think to your point, it's not all physical. A lot of it is mental, emotional work that needs to be done. It sure is. Now, Kathy, how can our viewers and listeners get in contact with you? Oh gosh, are we already at the end? This went so quickly. <laughs> Um, so you guys can find me on my website, kathyfritzcoaching.com. On my website, I have um, this awesome freebie for surprising ways to reduce your hot flashes, insomnia, and waistline. So they can get that for free. It's a great resource to just get some information and get started. Um, and then I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. That's my favorite, but I also am opening a membership. Um, and I'm going to have a special price for the, you know, first crew that joins that membership. So that's a group coaching format. Um, you know, if, if, if someone's really symptomatic and really already in a lot of struggle, one-to-one -one coaching is the way to go because everything's catered just to you. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're just starting perimenopause and you have, you know, maybe a couple of symptoms, you just really want to understand the midlife body better and how to support it with food movement and lifestyle choices, then the membership's a good fit. And you still get access to me in the group coaching. There's uh, twice a month group coaching. Um, so you can still get live support from me. Wow, that is awesome. And of course, I will make sure that all of that information gets in these show notes. 
This has been such an amazing conversation, Kathy. I hope that for sure you will definitely consider coming back. Oh, thanks, Janice. I would love to. I have to tell you, like, this went in a really interesting direction, very different from other podcasts I've done. And so that, this was really fun to just, because you, you talk shop with me, right? You're a health coach, you know. So it's just it takes a different vibe than somebody who's not in our industry. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. And just another quick question for you. Obviously, um, Two Sisters has a theme day every day. Today is Triumph Tuesday. Would you like to share with us like maybe one thing that you triumphed over today and you're like, yes. Oh, okay. And I got to think back to my day, right? Um, well, I actually, I had my first physical with a new doctor and finding a PCP is really hard these days. And so that was a triumph was, hey, I saw her and I liked her. Oh, well, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. Totally, totally. And on that note, you know, Triumph Tuesday too is, is all about, you know, we often have those goals or those tasks that we're working toward and celebrate the fact that, you know, maybe it was just something as simple as making your bed. Mm. There, done. I know I'm fanatic about that. And uh, I think we may have to, um, at some point to have another, um, English kind of discussion. Oh, we can, we can do that anytime. That's, that was my first love. So I am happy to talk about that anytime. Oh, that's wonderful. Can or may, what is your position when somebody says, oh, can I do this? Depends on the situation. You know, are we being formal? Then you use the may. You want to impress somebody, use the may. You're just talking to your husband, your kids, whatever. Let's, let's keep it informal. Let's use the can. I love it. Thank you so much, Kathy. <laughs> And on that note, Triumph Tuesday with two sisters. Tomorrow is Wealth Wellness Wednesday. We will not be on tomorrow, but we will probably see you sometime on Thursday. Thank you everyone for being here this evening. And remember, those little things add up to a triumph. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great evening. Take care. Bye.